You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It has been a little while since The Bannerman were with you, but if you're following us on Twitter, if you're snooping around the internet, you might have found us elsewhere a couple of times, in fact. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm good, man. Nice to nice to be back uh, on our own home program, so to speak. Home game. Yeah. Home game. Home game. We did, we did a couple, couple uh, away games. Uh, may I, may I give a shout out to the guys who were kind enough to let us come on? I think that'd be worthwhile. Uh, many thanks to Jesse Cohen and uh, Jack Jablonski for having us on to recap the, the Ducks games from a couple weeks ago. That was a lot of fun, I thought. And then more recently, uh, the guys from the, from the Hockey Royalty uh, podcast, the unofficial podcast of Rink Royalty had us on. They had a nice little roundtable conversation there about uh some player grades that they asked our humble opinions on and uh as always we were not kind we were didn't pull any punches so to speak yeah it really was cool uh you know we've been doing this a couple years now and it's kind of the first time we've branched out like that or been invited to another podcast and it's very it's a very cool experience as we say almost every episode interaction and, and meeting like uh, like-minded people talking to like-minded people is some of the most fun we have doing this show uh so for us it was you know wish it was our job <laughs> wish it was our <laughs> wish it was our nine to five that's the yeah, best way i n- could put it no kidding because god knows we could do this we could do this seven days a week no problem no problem we could do like just eight hours on the Jimmy Carson, Paul coffee trade alone. <laughs> Maybe a whole week. I don't know. Who knows? It's, I mean, I'd, I'd follow along with you on that one. Definitely. I'd let you lead the charge. And uh, despite having a couple guest appearances on some other episodes, which please go ahead and check those guys out. If you're not already, if you're not already listening to those guys, I mean, you can't possibly have enough LA Kings content. Um, and we're going to do our best, obviously, not to necessarily uh, rehash some of the things that we talked about because there's plenty, plenty more to talk about. And that's that's kind of why we're doing our back to our own home episode here to talk even more things in case you hadn't heard our voices enough. It's never enough <laughs> from my perspective, but let's let's just jump into it, Vardy. The Kings, um, it's been a while, obviously. I think the last time um on our show i can't even couldn't tell you the last time on our show what we recapped it's been it's been a little bit of time but if you did listen to all the kings man we recapped the back-to-back duck series or the two games against the ducks um uh which was you know a night and day kind of thing for the team yeah Yeah. uh but really we felt that after those two games is when things really got interesting for the kings so let's start it off with where we should start off the two games against the colorado avalanche um, yes, two losses, obviously. I don't think it takes a hockey savant or it took a hockey savant to realize the Kings were going to be in tough those games. Even with the injuries Colorado had, man, you know, I, I come out of those games thinking one thing only. Impressed with Colorado, not upset at all with the result, understanding of the result, um, and really looking forward to the day where we can compete with that team because they're just on a different level. And in fact, 
Pierre Maguire, who does radio hits in, all over Canada, I think he was on TSN 1250 or one of those, I don't want to butcher it, but one of the TSN radio shows, he mentioned that he was in the elevator with Rob Blake after that game. And the conversation was basically like Rob Blake saying, shrugging his shoulder and saying, we're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Like the competes fine. It's just, we're not there yet. And I think if if you're, if you're watching this team close enough, you should be echoing those sentiments for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's dead on. I mean, it was, you know, there's only so much I could watch by that game and it was weird. You know, I, I, I've gotten upset certainly several times with how this team plays against San Jose, Anaheim, something like that. But it was, it was evident from the puck drop um, from that first game that they just, they're on a different level. They're just completely on a different level. And all four lines are totally bought into their system. And if you look at their advanced metrics, it's not, it's not just the McKinnon Landis cog, um, and uh, Ronson in line just running things. I mean, it's second line production, third line production. And and you saw that it was wave after wave after wave. And every single one of those guys was just fast, sticks in lanes. I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most was just both of those games. There was so much defensive responsibility. I think this was a knock on Colorado uh, especially from the beginning of the season that like, Oh, they were giving up too many goals, too many shots, but they were on some ridiculous streak and maybe they've continued. I, truthfully, I haven't followed that much in detail, but after those two games with us, they were on some ridiculous streak of like 14 straight games of not allowing more than 30 shots. And we, we didn't even get close to that. In neither of those games would be good close to 30 shots. And if we, most of the shots we had were perimeter shots, they just, they had control, man. And like you mentioned, then they were shorthanded. They were, they were without Bo and Byram. They were without uh, Kale McCarr. I mean, it didn't seem to matter one bit. It really did not seem to matter to them one bit. And that's, that's how, you know, a team is really humming. Yeah. That's just a different class of team. I mean, what they just did to the Minnesota wild in two games and the Minnesota wild were viewed as at the very least someone who could compete with Colorado. No. In fact, after the first game against Minnesota is, is when they kind of started getting their guys back. And I remember, I think it was Adrian Dater who wrote, who put in the lineup. And I was just like, good Lord, this lineup, it, it was Landis Kogmakidin, Rantanen, Saad, Kadri, Burakovsky, Nichushkin, Yost, Donskoy, Calvert, Belmar, uh, Comfer. And then the D was like Devin Taves and... Uh, Kale McCarr on the top, Jacob McDonald, Samuel Girard in the second. That's Eric Johnson's spot, by the way. Yeah. For keeping score at home. And then Ryan Graves and Bowen Byram on the bottom pair. Dude, that is the most complete lineup in the NHL. Yeah. I, I don't have I don't any argument. Only, maybe only Toronto can look at it and be like, we got Vegas, something for you. Vegas. Vegas sometimes, I think, yeah. Tampa, once they get Kucherov back. Tampa too, that's a good one too, once, once they get Kucherov back. But then again, these are all teams that, you know, I both, we both talked Carolina. about. Carolina. Like, yeah. But like, like, are, to me, this is the scariest lineup, top yeah. to bottom in the NHL. So for, for them to beat up on the Kings the way they did, and it wasn't even that bad, to tell you the truth. It, it wasn't. Really I mean, wasn't. the first game was 2-0. Right. Fine. And... Uh, I forget if it was the first game or the second game, 
where Grubauer was in net. And I thought the Kings were, there was a, I think it was the second game where Grubauer was in net. And I thought the Kings were actually doing a decent job and they were trying, they were getting more chances, which is something, which is kind of a trend I've noticed throughout this season is, you know, they might not show up for that first game, but then that second game, they, they really try, which is, which is a good thing to see. Like they're not going to, they're not just going to sit back and play again the same way that they did. Um, yeah, it was a second game uh, with Grubauer in net um, with the random Curtis McDermott goal was the only one that got past him, but they came out, the Kings came out and they were generating chances. And I thought there was, they forced Grubauer to make some tough saves and he was up to task. If, you, if there's one knock you can maybe have against that team is that the goaltending can be a little bit shaky. You know, it's Grubauer and Frank Hoos when he's healthy and both of those guys have had health yeah. issues. And so now they went out and they got, <laughs> they got another backup goalie from, from Buffalo who sounds like he's a terrible goaltender by all, by all accounts. But um, it didn't yeah. seem to matter. It really didn't seem to matter. Yeah. So I, Grubauer was in net for both games. Then it was the second game that I was yeah. thinking of that we did and more, but we just yes. still couldn't break them. Right, because Grubauer in the first game had like 18 saves, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And Peterson had 44. Right. Uh, so that was Cal's kind of Cal's yeah. show in many respects. And it was a two-nothing game. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, they played poorly by all indications and by everything we saw. And it was still only two-nothing. Sure, mm-hmm. the shots were devastatingly lopsided. Oh yeah, forty-six to eighteen. Was, was yeah, frightening. <laughs> and that's no way, you know, that's no way to survive this team. And clearly, the Kings didn't. Um, but again, overall, just not there yet. Nice to see them competing against this team. Because look, man, Minnesota just got walked on mm-hmm. by Colorado. It wasn't even. I think it was five nothing in the first period. And that's a team that has big aspirations. All of a sudden, thanks to some uh, philosophical changes and some lineup changes they've made. So, yeah. Uh, again, and this is a, if you listen to our podcast or our, our podcast appearance on all the Kings men, I was very much harping on the positivity of everything, regardless of what happens. And I'm still, I'm still right there. I don't know. I can't imagine something happening so catastrophically bad for me to look at this and be like, things are so bad for the Kings. Like things are going so bad. This team has no future or I, I, don't even want to think about what we're going to look like next season, all these things that I've actually been hearing or reading on Twitter. Um, yeah, I feel very good about those two games, regardless of the outcome. And then we go into the St. Louis series, the first of which was postponed. Yeah, which I think was actually kind of a blessing in disguise. You know, we got stuck in mm-hmm. Colorado mm-hmm. Um, because we were snowed in and it was dangerous to fly out. But I think that gave them an extra day to rest. I gave them, I gave them an extra day to maybe look at some video and look back and cause what else are you going to do? I mean, you were snowed in, although, you know, Todd McClellan apparently went out and helped some dudes push their cars out of the snow and build a snowman afterwards. But aside from that, I think what else are you going to do? You sit and you watch, you go over those games. And I think, I think it helped them really come out and play a solid game against St. Louis who, by the way, if there's, if there's a team that you need to be tracking, I think for the rest of the season, how how we play against them and also how they're playing against everyone else in the division, it's St. Louis. If there's any shot whatsoever of us getting into the playoffs, it's going to be it's going to be taking that spot away from St. Louis. I think. And um, and so we came out and we played a fantastic game. We beat them four um, one. I I just remember the the passes being crisp. 
the the defense and the stick work being nice. And we got a solid win in the reverse retros, which was always which I've been waiting for. Yeah. You know, the last couple of games we had it was uh not as uh not as good. But we came out and I am looking back now, but I seem to remember that we scored three in the first and it was just this complete period. And of course, our baby boy, Anderson Dolan, back in the lineup, immediate dividends. <laughs> Immediately, that line just, it, I, I could just imagine what happened in that locker room. Like Moore and Grunstrom probably locked arms and just created this big hug, waited for him and just said, we missed you. And it was, it was just, and it went from there, you know? Uh, so those guys just killing it right now. Yeah. That line um, was on the ice for two goals for Anderson Dolan with two assists, Grunstrom and, and more with the goals, more with two points. And when that happens, when the Kings get secondary scoring, because right now the Kopitar, Ayafalo, Brown and even Dowdy, they're just straight humming along. They're, yep. you know, you're, you know what you're going to get from them. So once you get that bit of a secondary scoring, the Kings are a tough team to play against and a tough team to beat as they've proven now. I think it's the sample size is no longer small. It's big enough for, for you to see that when, when the Kings scored, I think that when the Kings scored three goals are 10 and two, I think that's mm -hmm. a legit stat. So that magic number three or more tough team to beat, I think, specifically when pains me to say it when Cal Peterson's in in the crease and and they give him three goals you could pretty much turn the lights out on that mm -hmm. game and that's that's a big statement for that for who, who a person who's still a young goaltender yeah used to be used to be that way with Johnny Quick obviously different time different system but uh, uh it, it's 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 clear at this point that Cal's the guy I mean We'll get into it a little bit about tonight's game, but, you know, it's our best chances of winning seem to come when Cal's in net. And that's all I can really say about that. Yep. And I believe in the beginning of the season, we had that conversation about the mm -hmm. goaltending and we talked about how we felt that if the Kings go with Peterson, they have a better chance of making the playoffs. And it was... Yes. It was already kind of evident from last season. And you know what? Let's just go into the Vegas series because really sure. Sure. it is it is very much a tale of two goalies. Although in the first game, Vegas outplayed the Kings significantly. So it wasn't so much that, you know, they were just getting in the zone and throwing something garbage on net and it was beating mm -hmm. quick. No, they, they did have the better game that game. But at the same time, it was hard to watch some of that some of that stuff go by quick and specifically the way you reacted to some of those goals. Yeah. I, again, I, we, 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 we talked about this with, with some of the, the hockey royalty guys, but the body language, the bounce back ability that I think I have always associated with Jonathan quick, that money goaltender attitude. I, I just haven't seen that as much this season. And I think, you know, especially against the teams like Colorado, the teams like Vegas, you need them to be nearly perfect. Okay. These guys are going to come at you. They're going to come at you hard. They're going to find ways to generate these high danger scoring opportunities. And Vegas did that again and again and again um, in that first game. Now, again, I'm 100%, I'm I don't blame him on a couple of those goals. Okay. Sure. That first one, that first one that came from Stone up to Pacioretty 
up front. It was a, it was a bad turnover behind the net. Defense was was late, kind of getting back. It was it it took a split second and it was in fine, but there were some ridiculous. I mean, Twitter was just blowing up with images of him facing backwards in the net, you know, and that happened twice. That happened twice in that game. And he was just completely unfocused. You know, I, I, I expect him to be athletic. I expect him to kind of be post to post a lot of time, but it comes at a cost, man. It comes at a cost. And, you know, there was, there was a couple of times where he just wasn't anywhere near being in the right spot and he got lucky. Tough, tough to hear, tough to say, I'm sure, but it's absolutely true. I think, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more because I think his future with the Kings is kind of a, a big topic right now uh, in Kingsland and in whispers now around the league too. But I think there's got to be a decision made about who's going to be the number one goalie, regardless of what happens with the situation. I think it's clear now that it's it's Cal Peterson's time to be the number one goalie. It's not easy to say that. Imagine how hard it is for the organization mm-hmm. to kind of either push that decision or make that decision. Um, but I think if the Kings are serious about making the playoffs, which seemingly they are, <laughs> they're competing every game and they're not uh, out of it by any means. Uh, I think Cal, Cal's got to be the way to go. Uh, I'm sure you know Jonathan Quick will have something to say about that. But I think it is what it is, unfortunately, because Cal in this last game against Vegas, man, just doing the job, just steady. I don't think he had to be spectacular, but he had to make some big saves, timely saves. And those are the things we're used to seeing from Jonathan Quick. And now we're seeing it from Cal Peterson, who, you know, listen, I'm sure he learned a lot backing up Jonathan Quick for the time he did. But right now that that money goalie, Aura seems to be switching from from the old guard to the new guard. Yeah, I think especially in the third of this last game, the third period, you know, the first two, I thought the Kings were doing an excellent job. I think the second period was about as good a period as they've had all season. That same, I, I commented that, you know, that same uh, stick checking, that same sticks in lanes, breaking up passes that Colorado was doing against us in, in the two games that we played against them. They were doing that to Vegas. I mean, they were forcing turnovers. They were forechecking hard. They were they were picking off passes. Um, Mikey Anderson had a had a tremendous game. Tremendous game. I mean, he was he was just all over the place and, and stopping scoring chances. But you had to have known that Colorado was going to come out in the third and was and was going to try to you know try to win this game. It was only a two goal game. They were nowhere out of it, and they came out on fire in the third. And Cal was on the money. One random goal got past him and he even made the initial save on that one. So right. you can't, you can't even be too mad at him on that, you know? And that's, that's just kind of what I mean, man. Like there's going to be nights where, where you're going to need your goalie to be keeping you in these games. You're going to need your goalie to come up with big stops one after another. And I, I just don't think, I don't think quick is doing that as consistently, especially not against these better teams, unfortunately. Yeah. So it is very possible that come to trade deadline, the Kings might be looking to move Jonathan Quick. I was reading some 
rumors, whatever, that Toronto has been one of the teams that's inquired or vice versa. Maybe the Kings have have called and, and asked if they're interested because of their goaltending situation. Freddie Anderson is not 100% and they're, seeming, they're playing him still, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> and the, the first set of games against – or the first game in the set against Calgary, he was just – not even Freddie Anderson. I'm talking about was not even in the yeah. game. Just wrist shots, sixty footers beating him. Anyway, um, yeah, they got Jack Campbell back recently after yeah. he was out for an extended period of time with injury, and he's been sure. playing he gets pretty a well. Yeah, first game playing... he gets a shutout. Yeah, yeah. and uh, seemingly the team responds when he's in net. So yeah, we'll see. I think there are a lot of situations, and we kind of bring this up from time to time, but I think there are a lot of situations that could use a Jonathan quick to solidify a goaltending tandem. There is a question of, of his salary and contract. Uh, but as you mentioned on the hockey royalty pod, the Kings shouldn't have any issue eating up a significant amount of that salary for the length of it. Um, because we should be okay for the next couple of years. And that's, yeah. I think how much is left on his contract. So we'll see, I guess my question to you is would you aggressively be shopping Jonathan Quick? So, uh, you know, we, we talked about this briefly like a month ago about what we think is going to happen with him because for various reasons, be it the expansion draft or trade mm. deadline or even off-season trade, I I don't think that his future with the Kings is, um, is, is very long at this point. And he's clearly an asset that you can still get something for. The problem, the only problem that I foresee this season is if the Kings are in the playoff hunt. Sure. If they're within four points, something like that of St. Louis, I think they would more likely keep quick because there's no, there's no push necessarily to trade him. Right. You have various ways of ways of getting rid of him in the off season, if that's what you decide to do. Um, And so I think, and then it brings up the issue of who your backup is, right? Like if you move quick and you're still within spitting distance of the playoffs and you make it in, are you really comfortable having Grosnick being your backup to Peterson? Or are you going to bring up Volta, who has been up and down in Ontario? So I think that's, that's kind of the question is if you decide that, okay, we're done playoff hunt just didn't work out this year. Then I think you shop. I think you listen to all offers. And truthfully, I think again, Jonathan quick is not stupid. He, he knows his days as an LA King are probably numbered. I think if he has any say whatsoever where he goes and potentially ends up on a playoff competitive team, Toronto, Carolina is another one that comes to mind. I mean, he has a shot at another cup. He has a shot at another cup on a team that probably has a better defense in front of him than what he has right now, even though the Kings defense has been respectable. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't take that opportunity. Not that they have to ask him. He doesn't have a, a no trade clause or anything, but I think there's a respectable way that you can move him where you're honoring the things that he's done for your team and you're not just pawning him off to someone else to get a fourth round pick or something stupid like that, you know? Sure. And to a lesser degree, you have to kind of think about the expansion draft and who you're going to be exposing Correct. in that situation. But I think that's a far more... Yeah, you just resign gross thing in your exactly, yeah. exactly solvable situation. And I think I don't know. I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, 
Well, actually, it does, but you should be trying to get a return for Jonathan Quick and the percent and the resume he's put together. Like you don't, I don't know if you want him just kind of be scooped up by Seattle in a very unceremonial way, unceremoniously almost with yeah. very little fan, just kind of randomly just picked up by a team. I think he. It's a weird thing to say, but I think he deserves better than that. I I mean, you look at what what's going on right now with Flurry in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I think Pittsburgh would be more than happy to have Flurry in net right now. He's having yeah. a pretty damn good season for Vegas. You know, three three years now, three four years now since they gave him up for absolutely nothing because Matt Murray was their guy, and then Matt Murray wasn't their guy. Like it's just things can change. So not that I think that you know, the Kings are ever going to be in a position where we need, but you never know. You never know. I think if you have an asset and Rob Blake has been good about this, you know, he didn't, he didn't give up Clifford for nothing. He didn't give up Martinez for nothing. Like he got something for every single person that we moved and everyone was doom and gloom when that happened. Everyone was really afraid about what, what is going to happen to this team when we lose all these guys. Well, guess what? We've, we gave away, we, we traded away five guys the team is better now than it was when those guys were on this team. And we have the best prospect pool in the NHL. The world is our oyster for the next couple of seasons to, to do what with it, what we want. And I think there's definitely room there to get something more for Jonathan quick. Agreed. As a fan, I prefer to number one, as, as a fan of Jonathan quick, I prefer that he, it's like a respect thing. He gets the respect sure. of, of, getting a return back to, to show that you have value exactly to this organization in the NHL. I think it's a nice feeling I would assume as a human being, of course. Um, and yeah. secondly, to get something back for an asset as, as a fan of the franchise. So yeah, we'll see. Um, but it is interesting. You mentioned the playoff thing because I think the Kings are going to be in striking distance. I don't, I don't foresee them dropping off, that significantly because quite frankly no one is playing no one is really outplaying the kings Mm -hmm. other than the three teams that are seemingly locks to be in the playoffs st louis the kings have played them very well everyone below st louis the kings have played very well um so really you're looking at it i you would argue that the kings are right now as good if not better than the blues the way they're playing the game on paper you could that's a whole different conversation. You could throw up different things. I know they're kind of banged up too over there, but I I don't I don't see St. Louis coming in, turning things around, and winning every game against the Kings moving forward. It's just a good matchup. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's not even necessarily just the games they play against us. If you look at the rest of the schedule that yeah. they have, of the twenty six or some odd games that they have against division opponents a good number of them are against Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota. So they have a a harder strength of schedule than we do. Even just this upcoming week. I mean, I think eight of our next 10 games are between San Jose and Arizona, you know? So there's, there's an opportunity there. So long as we don't sleep on these other teams that we're playing to actually come out and gain a lot of ground. I mean, we have one game in hand on St. Louis and they're ahead by five points. So it's, it's a very doable thing. And again, I mean, St. Louis is just not playing like a good team. They have a minus three goal differential. We actually have a positive goal differential. We've, we've beaten them several times and a couple of times that we lost, we've basically beaten ourselves. I feel like we just haven't shown up. That's, that's why we've lost. So 
they have a they have quite a few issues. Their goaltending hasn't been there. Yeah, Jordan Binnington's having an off season. Um, there's Tarasenko like, still Tarasenko figuring it out. Yes, uh, Pareko hasn't played in a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what his status is, but th- that defense needs him desperately. So it's right there. It's right there for the Kings, uh, and I think it's going to go down past the trade deadline. So if I if I had to guess, I think they hang on to quick. If I had to yes. guess. I think that's fair. I think, I think if things, <laughs> it's funny, it's, it, I, I keep saying this every time we record, I'm like, this next week is going to be super important, but it is, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, if, if they, if they drop like six of these 10 games against San Jose yes. and Arizona, then, then you, you pretty much shot yourself in the foot. But if they come out and they, I don't know, go seven, two and one or something ridiculous like that, dude, Things things change. Things change significantly. Before you know it, you might be a buyer at that deadline, which would be wild, <laughs> insane. It would be absolutely wild. And I don't know. We'll have to get there, but I probably have some opinions about that too. If you're giving, so let up- me let me let me ask you. Since I think we've covered the games reasonably so far, sure. Tra- say, I'm gonna give you some hypotheticals. Okay, if the Kings are sellers at the deadline. We've already talked about quick. Is there anyone else that you would move? And if the Kings are buyers at the deadline, is there a particular position you would look to upgrade? I can't really think of seller. I mean, the, the other the other name that comes to mind is Jeff Carter, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I'm not overly passionate about keeping him or trading him. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I, what mm-hmm. I mean is I don't think – I think he's more valuable with the Kings Mm -hmm. with his experience. And he seems to be a good guy and a good mentor and everyone speaks highly of him. I I think he's more valuable to the team on the roster as these kids are coming up than he would be to fetch a third rounder or Mm -hmm. whatever the hell he's going to get, whatever he's going to get. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to equal the value of him as a leader on this team, in my opinion. So I can't really think of anyone selling off wise i've heard i follow's name being thrown out which has been interesting i don't understand that though yeah i don't either i don't either we've talked about that too but like if for whatever reason i keep seeing his name coming up and maybe that's just because he's a he's a winger of a certain age and he's got a year left on his contract and so maybe people think that he'd be a, a good target i don't know i mean i'm sure he's a great target for a lot of teams yeah but I don't know. Is he going to command some kind of salary where the Kings are like too rich for my blood? No, I, I, don't, I think I don't foresee that. And I think, yeah, I think people are just looking at our roster and looking at the prospects and going, this is a guy who doesn't fit. But again, I don't know if that's outside opinions yeah. of a team. They don't necessarily understand. Where's your you and I, curious? Uh, I've, I think I've seen, I think I saw Kevin Weeks tweet about that. Mm. I want to say, Kevin Weeks definitely tweeted about quick. I remember that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you're asking a good question. I don't remember exactly where I read it, but I, I definitely saw it. You know what? I remember, I think I saw the fourth period, perhaps even talk about how he might be a target. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't see why. I mean, there's no good reason from the King standpoint. I'm just saying that like, this might be someone that they yeah. come that, that, that some teams hey. ask about. 
it's got to, to me, it's like, if it has to be an offer, I can't say no to, and then let's talk. But otherwise, mm-hmm. what are you going to, again, what are you going to get for him? Yeah. A second, right? Yeah. Maybe a one for one for a prospect. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, I think it is interesting because compare this to last season uh, when you had your Martinez, your Muzzin, when you knew that you had these assets that you needed to get something for, I don't see us in that type of position anymore. Absolutely not. I think I was about to say, like, I think the rebuild's over, but it's not. But also I think the heavy lifting's kind of been done. Mm-hmm. Like now I think it's the part where you let it play out a little bit yeah. and see like all these things you acquired, all these pieces, all these future assets you required, you see what they are and where they're going and where they fit because you yeah. can do this forever. I mean, Oh yeah. At, at one point, are you like okay. everyone hits twenty seven? You just shouldn't ship them yeah, off. At, you know? at one point, are you like okay? We've restocked the cupboard. Like we got high end prospects up and down. Right. The pipeline, right? Maybe sure you, you could use another one on defense and whatever. But but that's could, what I'm saying. Like IFO doesn't yeah, get you that. No, IFO gets you a get second you. round pick or or like a mid level prospect. And do we really need that? You know, wouldn't you rather have the guy that you know and has come up in your system and is signed to a reasonable deal and you know, fits yeah. in well with your top line. Not to I mention mean, that, it... not to mention, sorry to cut you off, that no, if, we anticip- if we anticipate them being in the mix, you need Alex Iafalo if you're trying yeah. to make the playoffs. He's yeah. your top line winger. Like it or not, disagree yeah. with it or agree with it. It's been four years now or whatever. It's been three years. He's the top line winger. Yeah. It's time to yeah. accept it. So to be very foolish if you're hunting for the playoffs to trade him for a future asset. Or like a, so, so to that point, then if we're if we're buyers, we're, yeah. what are you looking to upgrade? I mean, obviously, defense is the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to mind. I think a veteran defenseman would be nice. Um, Not a dynamic defenseman. What do you mean by that? Well, because that's that's what I constantly hear is that they're missing uh, like a dynamic second pairing defenseman. That's what they're. So okay. you would rather go the veteran defensive stalwart route rather than like well, trying to find a what's dynamic exactly is that someone I think, who I think could play both ends of the ice who could yeah be 25 a, minutes a night mm-hmm. i don't think you're gonna get that at the deadline yeah and if you are it's gonna be strictly a rental which is i guess what the deadline's all about but mm-hmm. i think that's I am 100 against rentals for this team it's absolutely foolish in my opinion mm-hmm. to do what to do what? To play Vegas or Colorado in the first round? Yeah, I agree. Colorado's probably going to win this division. They're, you know, they got a more than enough runway to just smash Vegas in the standings. So you're going to get Colorado for seven games. You're going to give up a second rounder. God forbid a first rounder because you, you, I don't know, you saw some rental you fell in love with. It's just it's nobody. There's mm-hmm. n- my answer is none. I don't want anyone. Let this group go in the way they're built and let them play Colorado in the first round. I'm okay with that. Because you're not going to beat Colorado. I don't give a crap who you get. You're not, this team is not ready to beat the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. And even if they were, I don't think a second pairing defenseman is what puts them over the top. I don't think they're a second pairing defenseman away no, from being many able things to away. Beat. Yes, exactly. They're time away. They are, they are, they are time and experience away and you can't, you can't inject that 
by just getting a second pairing, you know, 27 year old defenseman or something. So why waste prospects, assets, whatever draft picks on getting, I don't even know who's available because that's how far removed I think the Kings are that I haven't even considered looking at like trade deadline targets in the NHL because it's just not, I'll look at it when it's trade deadline time, but I really don't, I don't foresee the Kings going out and like, we just need that one player. No, yeah. you need you need a lot of things. So yeah, no, that's that, fair. That, that's that's fair. where I I'm completely at. I don't agree. want anybody. No. Keep your players. <laughs> I like it. You know, I don't mind that at all. I really don't. I think I think there will come a time, and it may even be this off season where they have to look into upgrading their defense. Um, because I don't think that there's anyone coming into our pipeline who can be who can fill that role. You know, unless unless Walker is able to kind of go back to what I think he could have been. Um, but he's better suited as a third pairing defenseman. In an ideal world, Walker is your third pairing, you know, is your third pairing guy. Um, and that's the thing. I feel like we have a lot of those guys. It's like yeah. these five, uh, four, five, sixes. I think right. that we're playing is two, three, fours. <laughs> exactly. We have a ton of like the Mikey Andersons right walker roy like these guys are like that they should be closer to your bottom pairing yeah. than your top pairing and and the top pairs is or the top three defensemen is where we really need help yeah because if you take out you remove dowdy and you're rolling rolling with this defense <laughs> could have some rough days you know yeah. what i'm saying so how are you going to get that high-end talent it's just first of all they're not available yeah Second of all, it's not going to be some kind of rental move where you throw some second round picks and you're going to get this type of player, even as a rental. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what you're saying, and I think what we've said for a long time is you have to take some of your strengths or your surplus, which is going to be forwards and you trade for someone else's surplus, which is hopefully defensemen. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did bring up Matt Roy. I think it's worth mentioning. He just signed a, yeah. a three-year deal real reasonable contract. I think 3.125, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood for three years. I think that's a great deal. I think that's a perfect number for him. I think three years is a great term. Um, still gives him time to maybe get a bigger contract after that, if things are headed in the right direction, but it gives us a window, I think, to, to do something with that. I thought that was a, I was an interesting term because I think with how, how this season has gone, it kind of, in my mind, it foreshadows what I think the Kings management believes their their window is. I think they see Matt Roy as as a Matt Green, Rob Scuderi kind of guy in their lineup. And they need guys like that to win. So to give him three years, I think, tells you that like they're thinking of doing something here within the next two years right, at least. Right, right. Well, that's a good point. Um and Walker and Roy will be here for the foreseeable future. So you got at least something to build around there should in the next season or so things right. accelerate a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, I hope the Kings don't do anything this deadline, except if they, I don't know, if they want to trade quick. Maybe yeah, I agree. That. I think that's the, that's the most, if anything needs to happen, that's the most reasonable trade. I, I don't, I don't want to see them move on from Aya follow or anything like that, unless it's like you said, an offer that really can't be refused. 
you know, Ontario Rain Vardy after a, I don't know, pitiful, lackluster, <laughs> listless start to the season. They're coming on a little bit, although last game did not end well for the Rain. Well, I should say two games ago it did not work. Yeah, two games ago. Yeah, because they had one today too. We're recording yes, this on a, the Sunday. There the, you go. There yeah. you go. And today it was the good one. Yep. Where Akil <laughs> Thomas had the hat trick, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But I got to talk, like, I would be remiss if I didn't start with Quinton Byfield because it is absolutely should be the focal point when we talk about the rain. I think the first mm-hmm. thing we need to be talking about automatically every single time is Quinton Byfield. Now up to 13 points in 19 games, five goals in four straight games, figuring it out, figuring it out. And if you listen to the Hockey Royalty Pod, we had a very brief discussion about whether he should be in the uh, AHL or OHL next season. And I think I'd like to revisit that because sure, it is an interesting kind of discussion because of his age, because of how young he is, and because of the kind of unforeseen circumstances of this season you essentially have, and I think you brought up a great point, is that it's a very advantageous situation to be in for the Kings because they get to play him pro without ever burning a year of his contract, without ever having to worry about any transfer agreement. He's in the AHL now just because of the circumstances, and it would be very hard for him to go backwards after this. Yeah, so again... Apologies to anyone who listened to who listened to us talk with the hockey royalty guys, but this is definitely one of the more important topics. So I don't mind going over it again. So um, he he just turned eighteen in August. Okay, so right now he's playing his eighteen uh, year old season, which in any other circumstance, COVID notwithstanding, the OHL would still be happening. He would not be in the AHL. He would be playing OHL hockey. That's right. He would be playing OHL hockey this season. He would be playing OHL hockey next season because you have to be 20 years old to play in the AHL based on the current um, agreement between major juniors, AHL, NHL. Now, they are talking about revisiting that specifically because of the events of this season. There's talk about maybe um, Canadian juniors has like an exceptional player clause where you can take someone who's 15 and put them into juniors. Sure. Uh, John Tavares, I think, uh, McDavid, those guys definitely fit the bill and they're talking about doing something like that in the AHL as well, having an exceptional player clause where you can take someone who's 19 perhaps and put them in there, but it's super early discussions. None of this stuff is is concrete and may never happen because there's a lot of financial stuff that goes into that, as you would imagine. Um, But the point being that say it's an, it's a regular season. Okay. He plays OHL this year. He plays OHL next year. And typically what's happened in the past is when they finish their OHL season, they'll bring these guys up and, and kind of be what they'll call black aces, if you will. And then they'll play them in the AHL because they've turned 20 now. And the OHL season ends before the AHL season does. Quentin Byfield won't qualify for that because he'll still be 19 all the way through to August. So you're talking about playing him potentially a full season extra in the OHL after this year, after he's putting up 13 points in 19 games against men in the AHL. I mean, to me, it can't happen. It can't, it just can't. Can't happen. It's, it's complete. It's a complete backtrack for his development 
And I would say, fine, if he wasn't doing so hot, if he put up, you know, five points or something like that and was really struggling out there, okay, good. And he started that way, you know, but it's clear things are clicking, not just with him, but with the rest of the team. And to me, I don't think that the Kings can afford to send him back to the OHL next season. I think end of the season before he has to go back to the OHL because the OHL sounds like they're going to reopen for a little bit. They bring him up, they give him a couple of games on the taxi squad, maybe even let him get in an NHL game like they did with Kaliev, mm. and they let him go back and they finish out the OHL year, no problem. Summer comes around, training camp comes around. I think they give him a super, super focused, long, hard look and because they know what's up here, man. They, I, I, I don't think it benefits him or the franchise in any way for him to be playing OHL hockey next season. I agree. The circumstances are just so strange and yeah. so unique, unique that you have to, as an organization, you have to do what's best for the development of the player. It, it, it's one thing if it was one season, but you're talking about potentially three. Is that right? If you, if, Two. Because he would, would be have, 18. Well, he's 18 now. He's 18 now. So he's, yes. he'll be 19. August. In August. Okay, so he's playing his 18-19 season and it'll be his 19-20 season. Correct. Okay, so regardless, two seasons. And he's, like you said, he's kind of warming up right now in the right. AHL. To go from that where you're playing against professionals to get an NHL game or two in, which I'm certain he will, to go from that and, and realize you have two more seasons of one junior. full one full season of junior before you can get before you even be considered to play in the NHL. Right. That's oof. I don't know. That'll be tough for him because he, he, I think some frustration would set in. Sure. Some malaise, some I think you call it bad habits, which is very much a concern when you go from the pro game to the junior game. It's you can get by on just your skill. Yeah. And you could kind of dog it on some things and the consequences won't exactly be there. Yeah. He's going to be 19 going up against 16 year old defensemen. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, he's only getting stronger. He's a hardworking kid. He works out with Gary Roberts. He's, he's only going to get beastlier, so to speak. So you throw, throw him back into the mix with the OHL kids, man. I don't know. I just don't see it. I think, yeah, I think I'm on board. When they asked me, when they asked us that question on, on the other show, on hockey royalty, I was kind of like, I don't know. I felt like I was torn, but the more I thought about it, and specifically the more I heard everyone's answer, it became more and more clear to me that it can't happen and that he needs to be in the NHL next season. Yeah. And I think they're going to have similar issues with, uh, with already Kaliev, who again is a little older, obviously, but I think all these guys, man, Turcotte, Kaliev, Kupari, Byfield, Next season, they're this all coming. summer, they're all coming. They have to. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't see how else you can do this. If it wasn't for the taxi squad situation, I mean, that's that's been very generous to the Kings, which we talked about before the season started. That it was going to give them an opportunity to just keep bringing people up and down, get NHL practices in. But I mean, what what more do these guys have to do? You know, who do you think fears for their job the most right now on the Kings? Knowing this information, if Blake Lazat doesn't fear for his job, he's got he's got something else going on. I think he's a good kid, man. I think he's a hardworking guy. It's a it's a 
undersized dude, free agent signing. Like it's a great story. And I think he, he played well above his, his means last season to the point where we're like, this is, this guy's on the team. He's third, fourth line center. He's, you know, but I just, am I wrong? You think no. I'm wrong? Oh, no, 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 no. He should be. But I, I was just trying to think who. I think Mike, Mike Amadio should be terrified. But he, I think the fact that they put him on waivers and they yeah, put yeah, him yeah. into taxi already. Yeah. Austin yeah. Wagner. Yeah. That's a good one too. Should be very worried. What do you do with Athanasiu if this is all happening? So the interesting thing is, and I, I, I kind of stumbled upon this. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. an RFA. He's an RFA. That's he's right. an RFA. I, I completely. So my understanding of the rules was incorrect. I thought because the Oilers didn't re-sign him at the end of the last season, and he became auto UFA. Auto UFA. Hmm. But it seems like it must have only been for that one, one off season, because now with a one year deal. He's still 26, I think, at the end of this. And he hasn't had eight accumulated NHL seasons under his belt by the age of age 26. And so he's an RFA again. You have zero, you have no reason to trade this guy. No. Whatsoever. None. Whatsoever. You just qualify him. And they should. They should, man. He has played. He's played well. I guess played my, very well. I guess the question is just because the reason I asked is because of the situation is that your prospects kind of have to make your team next year. Mm-hmm. There's only, I mean, what are you going to do? There's only so many spots. Well, I think that's, the that's the situation where you bring in, you bring in the guys who you think are going to do the best job possible and you let them, you let them have tryouts. You make them earn it. And the ones who don't, that's when you start looking into, okay, maybe we move them for something that, that we can use in the lineup. It's it's tough to say it, man, but there's no way these there's no way you're gonna have a lineup of of all these guys. You know what I mean? It's you're impossible. Not gonna, it's yeah, you're not gonna have, you know, Turcot, Kupari, uh Kaliev, Byfield, Madden, <laughs> Akil Thomas. Listen, I, mean, I guess in theory, Kupari could just stay in the AHL. He oh man, that's awful. He's like 22 already. Yeah, he's 21. You can't just do that. You can't, man. And he's and he was leading the league in scoring when he was down there. Turcot. These are good. I, I so you know I, I I shift every week. I shift on Alex Turcott, man. Let's do it. Let's shift again. But I look at how him and the rest of the team have played the last few games, and I think back to how he played in the World Juniors. He's a gamer, man. He comes he up big when he needs to. Listen, he can he can play, I think, immediately. Or not immediately, but next year when all this kind of shit hits the fan for the Kings in terms of yeah. prospects. Like, I think he could play. The question is... Where? <laughs> the question, no. The question is, do you, again, just for the sake of, I don't know, having enough spots, just say, hey, man, you're going to chill in the AHL one more season. I don't know. It's a tough kind of spot because you're right. I think they're kind of ready, right? They're kind of ready to take that next step. And do they're you, chomping, man. They're it's chomping the, at the it's bit. It's the same thing as Byfield. That, I mean, they're not dominating the AHL, but you, it should be the same theory as Byfield where you're like, they've taken the step. Do we just want them to kind of now stall in this one spot or do we want them to constantly improve? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's hard because 
you know, I would have said earlier in the season that guys like Grundstrom and Moore should be concerned, but they're proving themselves to be valuable. They're proving themselves to be potentially guys who should be around for a couple seasons. So I think, I think you just, there's not enough spots. There's not yeah, enough absolutely. spots. For that's, why I, I mean, that's why I wanted to talk about it because it's there's clearly a lot has to give, not just something. Yeah. A lot has to give Tyler Madden probably could probably use another year. Sure. In that's the NHL, fine. So he's not a big issue, but even him, you're from all indications, like he's a gamer and yeah, he's going to be knocking on the door sooner or later, sooner than later. Probably. I think, I think it's, it's some very tough decisions ahead. I think no matter what we do, there's going to be a point where we're going to trade someone for something else or someone else. And we're not going to like it Mm. in that moment. We're not going to like it. Maybe in the future, we won't even like it, but I, I think back to, I think back to the Braden Shen, Mike Richards trade a lot yeah. because I think we knew that Braden Shen was going to be an NHL player. We knew he was probably a second line center and we Which he has getting, developed into pretty yes. much. And and we knew Mike Richards could play, but we didn't know how long Mike Richards could play at the level he was playing. We didn't know what we were going to get in terms of team um, success with Mike Richards versus what was Braden Shen going to turn into, you know? I, I think it worked out well, and that's how you would hope all trades work out. But I just don't know if... We're, we're not going to know that when that trade comes. We're not going to know in that moment when that trade happens, if we won that trade and, and hopefully five years after the fact, it won't matter if we won or lost it. We won't, we won't have to revisit it. You know, there's really no point in putting a winner and a loser on a trade that just happened. Although we're going to do it, I'm sure. And everyone does it in every beat writer and uh, hockey writer and everyone on Twitter is going to do it. It's yeah. fun, I guess, but case in point, when the Kings acquired Justin Williams for Patrick O'Sullivan, the consensus was like, what the, like, why would you get yeah. kind of damaged goods? Justin Williams coming off three severe injuries and then has another freak injury with the Kings. Right. And it just looks like what a bad trade where all Patrick O'Sullivan scoring, I think 20 with, with Edmonton at that time. Um, but what happens, you know, the, you have to wait how many years to really see, Oh, okay. Yeah. Obviously, that was a great trade for the Kings. So yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough, and it's going to be tough when that time comes. Um, I I don't envy their position to have to pick who's who's going to be on the proverbial chopping block because it's not even going to be because they did anything bad. It's it's really not no, numbers game. Yeah, I think if I had to speculate, the two guys who I think are untradeable probably Kaliev and Byfield. That'd be my speculation. Yeah, I would. I would. Me personally, I would put Velarde in there too. I meant. I meant of the guys who of are the prospects. Who are, yes. Yeah, non, I think Velarde's. Okay, gotcha. I think Velarde's a lock. Yeah, they're not giving up on him after all this time. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, but I think of the guys who are down there. I I could see them moving Kupari. I could see them Easily. moving. I could see them moving Turcotte. I could. Yeah. The the center position is really busy. Hefty. Really, really busy. Hefty, hefty. Some good stuff going on there. Um, maybe it is Turcotte then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else we need to touch on? or? Not really. I can't really think of anything. I mean, we got San Jose coming up. 
I believe, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Should win. We should. We yes. should win. We should. Be, we should beat Arizona after that. I think Arizona's not good. San Jose's not good. Has All winnable as... games. Yep. You you can't. I I should say you can, but you shouldn't get a split with Vegas and then roll in and not take care of business against San Jose. Yeah. 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 I wish it was that easy because it rarely is. But I, you know, if they are serious again about the playoffs you got to take these two against the sharks man simple I mean, as that dude that's that's all i ever hear dowdy talk about every time they're talking to him he's, he's talking about how if you're not showing up hoping to get a playoff spot i don't know why you're coming to to play these games yep. and then you know what that's that's the drew that i love that's 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 the one i need him to bottle that and just crush that every single game you know and snort it exactly <laughs> Just line after line, just ah. Where were we? Episode sixty-seven. Mm. Now, the last couple episodes, you've gotten lucky because there haven't been any Kings players with this ep- with this jersey number. However, However. friendo, mm. you got a couple you need to come up with here. Oh my god, who wore sixty-seven? And the good news is, it's pretty recent. Again, it's well, not like okay. Okay, they're guys within the last decade. How about okay. that? Brodzinski was 76. So it's not... Correct. Okay. You might want to save that for yeah, 10 yep. episodes from I now. Locked in. Good. Man, I just, this number specifically can't, I can't think of anything. I do remember like 60s. I have a name in mind, but I don't know. Just, okay. I, I have a Nemechek in my head. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's sorry, sorry. So I, got, um, I will... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I got nothing. I That's all no, I was going to say. Right. Great. Um, the franchise was uh, introduced in 1967. Do I hey, win? You, <laughs> well played. All right. Well played, friend. So I'm sure someone out there has a, a nameplate on the back that says LA Kings and the number is 67. Yeah, someone, not me. Not you. Okay, so um, it's tough. It's tough because one of these guys had this number and switched, and the other one played one game. Awesome. But you're you're much better at this than I am. You you pull up names that I've never heard of. These are both guys that I know. Okay. Did I know that they wore this number? Absolutely not. But I know these guys. I mean, that's great. It doesn't help me right now. So you're gonna have to give me some more. Give me seasons. Let's go. All right. Um, one wore it in uh, 2015, 2016, and then switched the okay. following year. And then uh, the other one wore it in 2010 for one game and then was traded uh, to a different team and, and played two seasons for a different team. These are both terribly difficult. Mm-hmm. 15 16 so he was a rookie in 15 16 logic would dictate mm-hmm. last year we had lucic le cavalier he's still playing by the way okay hmm. 
he was another one of these guys that were like, is he going to be that guy? Is he going to stick around? Hmm. And it just didn't, it's fun. No, inevitably they cut bait. Is it Michael Mersh? Ooh, you're, you're dancing around it. You're dancing around it. It's, it's right around that area though. Yeah, I feel like Mersh was 50-something or 49, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Such um, a terrible number. They're all bad. All right. Well, I don't want to... Yeah, just give it to me. It's fine. Okay. Like, I'll take the L. Uh, so Nick Dowd, actually. Nick Dowd. Wore 67 for five games and then switched to 26, is more familiar number. Um, and the one prior to that was the uh, was the legendary Marc-Andre Cliche. Oh, Yes. One game, and again, this was this was a guy. He he was drafted by New York, and we were we were somewhat excited about the potential of getting him. I think he came with a lot of like hype. He was a second round pick. Did we get him for Avery? Oh, that's a good. I can't remember. Yes, you you'd probably know better than I would. Let me see yes, here. It was Sean Avery. Uh, traded. To LA with Jason Ward, Jan Marek, and a third round pick for Sean Avery and John Seymour. Mm. Wow. Well done, friend. Back, yeah, when, and then, back when Sean Avery returned a prospect. That's right. Crazy. Back when a trade involving Sean Avery and one other guy actually brought you back more than what you gave up. You know, you got yes. two players, you got four, you got three players and a pick. For Sean Avery. Amazing. And then eventually we waved him and Colorado picked him up. Yes, where he played. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he play, actually played two full seasons. Yep, he did. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but he... Oh, 14 he started... points in his initial yep. career. There you go. Amazing. There you go. Here's to you, Marc-Andre Cliche. So there you are. Uh, I refuse to make this the Marc-Andre Cliche episode, though. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to give it to Nick Dowd. Nick Dowd episode. It's not his only because I don't think I'm going to give him the number 26 episode when we come back around to that. Yeah, that's obviously going to be Voinov. It's going to be a contentious episode. Contentious. Ray Um, Ferraro. Telling you right now. Walker. (laughs) I said Ray Ferraro. Yeah, I know. I know. But Walker. We have, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But no, we'll, we'll give this to Nick Dowd. We'll give him to Nick Dowd, who seems to be doing okay in uh, in DC these days. In the lineup every night. There it that's is. All that that's all, and that's all he ever wanted. Player. That's all he ever wanted. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave us reviews. We're really getting really upset that there's no reviews. <laughs> I mean, there are reviews, but there should be at least fifty to sixty more. <laughs> so we're gonna go, guys. From this episode to the next, let's get two. We're going for two. Two reviews on Apple. (laughs) That's your homework. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast. 